Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, your companion to understanding the franchise landscape of a constantly changing world through the lens of intimate conversations with some of the industry's biggest names. I'm Kieran McLoone, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by FranchiseReorg.com, powered by Sumer Franchise Consulting and Alexius Solutions, providing consulting and reorganization services to franchisors. As the international business community begins to find its feet after the staggering blow of COVID-19, um, organizations large and small are looking for guidance on not only attracting customers back into their premises, but retaining them for the long term. The franchising world of 2021 is going to look remarkably different from how we began this year, and only the concepts that learn to make this new normal work for them will come out on top. Justin Mink knows this all too well, and as the Senior Vice President of Franchise Growth at Scorpion, a digital marketing agency for franchises, he's certainly seen the highs and lows of rebranding, publicizing, or reinventing a business. On this episode, we speak with Justin about what businesses need to do today to ensure they're part of the conversation tomorrow. Hiya, Justin. How are you doing today? Hey there, Karen. I'm doing great. Great to hear. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. No, sure thing. Thanks very much for your time. Um, I suppose if we jump right into things, um, if we could talk by speaking a little about the uh, the recently released, there was a Scorpion Consumer Trends Report, um, which detailed a lot of kind of, you know, how people are feeling about franchising and the industry in general. And, uh, and one of the real sort of standout statistics for me um, was that 70, 73% rather of um, consumers believe that this whole COVID-19 crisis will be resolved within six months. Um, how can brands kind of, with that timeline in mind, how can uh, brands begin preparing now for um, 2021's consumer landscape and kind of what do you think that will look like? Sure, sure. You know, that I think any poll results today are probably relatively stale a week or two after they're taken because this sure. has been such a fluid and dynamic environment. So I think I think if we retook that poll, which was I probably conducted a couple months back, uh, people would probably revise their their estimates as to when the crisis will be over. In fact, what does over mean? I think we're all come to the grips that uh, that come to come to grips with the fact that there might not be a a hard stop to this whole thing, and that this would be more of a slow, yeah, lingering. Um, impact on our on our lives maybe for for the long term maybe forever in some capacity so i think brands have to stop and, and a lot of brands have already gone down this path but uh, for those who are still in the mindset of thinking there's going to be a day where they you know where the sun comes out and the rainbow is uh, is in the sky i think that 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 belief is needs to needs to come to an end and and brands need to reckon with the fact that there's a new normal understand their customer and trends to the best of their ability but also Retain, uh, retain the capabilities of being agile and and pivoting relative to what's happening in the market because nobody has a crystal ball and, and what's what's to come uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely um, very valid. I suppose that, that this idea of you know as you say, it's not like suddenly we'll wake up one day and it'll be like, oh no, the world is fine again. Um, it's it's a very gradual process. Um, there's kind of been the the sentiment sort of discussed that um despite the fact at the minute you know from an outsider's view the 
the the business landscape and franchising um, specifically is quite a, a, in a very turbulent time like the rest of the world. Um, some people believe that now is you know, one of the best possible times to invest in a franchise business um, for a variety of reasons, you know, real estate availability and um, other factors that have just really made this a, a beneficial period. Is that something that you um, believe, you know, is now is now really a, a better time than ever? I, I, I do with caveats. You know, there are, I mean, if, if we're talking about the immediate short term today, what businesses are thriving and, and, and which are struggling Home service businesses, you know, we, we work with franchise brands across the spectrum of all, all verticals and business categories, 120 plus different brands and thousands of locations. And we've seen several verticals perform, in fact, have record setting months in the time since, since COVID really first hit in mid-March. A lot of home service brands are experiencing this, this upward trend. Uh, you know, people are putting their time and attention into making sure their home Number one functions, right? We we need our air conditioning working when we're spending all of our time at home, working at home. Really, our lives are lived at home more than ever. But also, just the things that make our homes a, a more pleasurable place to spend time. You know, I'm sitting in my home office looking at our backyard, and we have a, a contractor coming to extend the deck <laughs> here right. in a day or two because you know our discretionary income that used to go towards maybe trips or, or, you know, nights out now is just making the home a, a, a great place to be and a place we want to spend our time. Um, so home service businesses, certain categories, I would advise anyone on the market to, to research if they're looking for immediate results. But on the long-term, in the long-term perspective, you know, unfortunately, uh, there's some shrapnel coming from, from the effects of COVID. And, and I think long-term, we're going to see a lot of independents uh, go out of business and which leaves holes in the marketplace for the services and products they provide. And, and the other flip side of that same coin is the fact that a lot of consumers, brands have the opportunity to build a high degree of trust with a consumer. There's a trusted brand, there's protocols, there's safety procedures, there's just the trust that's inherent in having a well-respected and known brand. And I think if franchises really focus on educating consumers with the fact that, you know, Franchises are not this monolithic, corporately owned entity. You have all the benefits of a brand and the, the confidence and security that conveys, along with the fact that people are supporting local business owners. Franchise owners are living in the community. They're independent. They're operators. They're your neighbors. And I think that's the perfect storm for a customer and the things that consumers value today. So I do think short-term home service businesses, and there are some other categories that are, that are strong, current state, lots of delivery Food is rebounding and the food brands that have been doing delivery well for a long time have been really positioned well to succeed in this environment. And then long term, if franchises, again, really build the brand and also convey the support of a local business owner and neighbor, it's a, it's a big win. Right. Okay. And on the on the line of um, building trust and kind of growing these brands, um, at the minute, uh, the millennial kind of demographic is quite a, a big buzzword within franchising. Um, but, you know, some of the traditional ways that brands may have previously um, advertised to um, millennial entrepreneurs or even consumer side as well, um, isn't quite working as well. And, you know, millennials are notoriously uh, very untrusting of these traditional mo models of advertising, um, sort of moving ahead where people are using social media and are online much more than ever before because they're at home, because they have the time. Um, 
are there kind of ways in which you think brands should be adapting their franchise recruitment efforts for um, for this new wave of franchisees? I, I I do I do I mean there's there's really two dynamics two major dynamics at play. First is the one that would have been in play regardless of of COVID, and that's to your point the the, the, the rise of the millennial generation. It's the largest generation in terms of percentage of population, um, and they are coming into their 30s and mid mid to late 30s for the oldest millennials now. So you know looking for long term career options, and I think that the decision matrix for millennials terms of what they care about, how they spend their time, the things that they hold dear and value, a little different than Gen X and, and, and boomers and all the other generations before. You know, brands really need to align and highlight values and um, the ethos of the brand and really the purpose and the soul of the brand, sort of mission driven. Of course, millennials, just like anybody else who's entrepreneurial in nature, is, are looking for financial performance and to make a good living and support their families, but but their values more tilt more heavily towards those softer, if you want to call them that, uh, tributes of a brand. So, and it's it's proven out. You know, we have clients who, whether through us or on their own, have run tests and a variety of different messaging positioning uh, in terms of the outbound marketing that they're executing, and they're seeing it happen. They're seeing millennials and people in general respond more, engage more, care more, have a better quality of lead when they come in through messages about the values of the brand. So I think that's the millennial piece. The other piece is COVID and, you know, the incredible uh, labor market that has just opened up and people who have been on furlough or lost their jobs, who maybe for a long time have dreamed about owning their own business or changing trajectories of their career and just haven't had the courage or the impetus to really be aggressive about uh, and proactive about looking, and now they're now they're on the market. And I think there's an enormous opportunity for franchises to educate the population at large about franchising, which is still largely unknown. It's it's incredible what a massive business and, and, and model it is. I wouldn't call it industry, but the business model what it makes up for in terms of GDP here in America, anyway. And yet people don't know about it; they're ignorant about it. So I think brands that really educate. Uh, their, their audience about franchising and they're the kind of the tip of the spear. The brand actually is providing the education about the model as a whole, capture that kind of exclusive engagement with, with a, a fresh audience of millions of people who are on the market. So I think there's a, there's a double opportunity here that franchises should be thinking about capitalizing on. Sure. And, um, and you, from a more consumer perspective, um, you recently published an, an article actually in Global Franchise about how um, you felt that brand experience was kind of the North Star that brands need to focus on in order to bring um, consumers back to their premises, uh, you know, as locations start opening up a little bit more. Um, would you be able to go kind of a little more in depth about um, why you believe brand experience is the be all and end all for a lot of these uh, organizations that have kind of struggled and are now reaching the point that they can start serving customers in some kind of normality again? Yeah, it's, you know, you, you take the millennial, um, you know, what we just talked about in terms of what millennials care about, and then you compound that with just a, a, a more, uh, the, the population at large is sort of drifting in that direction or orienting in that same direction. Uh, in large part, I think because of what millennials care about, it's just influencing the population at large. And that really is values, purpose, ethos, soul, mission, whatever you want to call it. You know, um, you know, as Simon Sinek says, know your why. Um, 
you know, what, what is the mission? Why, why, is, why does the company exist beyond just providing the products and services? Uh, you know, the, you'll see, I think anyone who's in the franchise industry long enough, there's a lot of lookalike franchises out there, you know, and you, you see their branding, even the names, the naming conventions that franchises use for their brand is, is hard to differentiate. There's a lot of just implicit confusion because the names are so similar in a lot of verticals. And I think uh, the ones who will take advantage of this moment and use it to gain market share and to carve out a unique niche and, and place in the hearts and minds of customers are the ones that either have identified or, or think about intentionally identifying their soul, their mission. Um, you know, the outcomes will be driven by that. I think a lot of brands think about brand values and they think about, okay, what does that mean in terms of outcomes? What are the outcomes that we want to produce and how will the values produce those outcomes? Really, that's kind of flipped on its head. I think the outcomes come as a result of the values. You know, just think about why you're here, why you're different, and why that matters to your customers versus all the other options they might have in, in, in your same industry. And then the outcomes will come as a result of understanding who you are and executing on, on aligning your franchisees, your customers, and your brand teams around that, that unique singular vision. So I know it all sounds a little fuzzy in marketing speak, but you know, there's lots of brands that you can point to that have done a great job of that. I wrote about uh, Shake Shack, and they were founded to preserve Madison Square Park and really make sure it stayed a community, kind of save the park which was going under and, 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 and they had a single cart selling hot dogs and hamburgers and they gave away hot chocolate during snowball fights that came up and they just became this sort of community gathering place and out, you know, dovetailing off that as they've grown, they've always kept that as a kind of warm beating heart and soul of their brand and doing good community, you know, being a gathering place. And that, that has generated amazing buzz and everyone who knows Shake Shack knows that it's, it stands out head and shoulders above all their competitors, most of their competitors. And that's, that's the primary reason they know who their brand is and their customers and franchisees know who their brand is as well. Sure. And mentioning um, Shake Shack and kind of the food and beverage industry as a whole, um, if we could talk more specific industry, um, you know, case by case kind of basis when it comes to adapting brands to this um, post COVID world, whatever that does mean, whatever the timeline is for that. Um, are there any kind of key ways you think that certain industries need to tackle um, the the re reopening process, if it will, if you will. So I think you know, fitness brands maybe um, adapting more to online sessions. The same with things like education franchises. Are there are there ways in which you think brands should kind of pivot now to make sure that they are prepared um, for this future world? Yeah, I, I I do. I think you know, I think starts if, if we want to you know use the brand as the foundation and understanding who you are. I think I think just making sure that's a part of the actual service you deliver, whatever that needs to look like. That's, that's part of the brand experience. It's not just a marketing message. It, it manifests in the customer experience when they're actually a customer, not just when you're trying to acquire that customer. So ensuring that it's not just you know, a, 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 a poster on the wall of the office or, the, or on the home office at this point uh, you know, that has your brand values, but how does that bleed into the actual engagements with the customer is key. Uh, and then, you know, more functionally in terms of execution, the digital experience, like you mentioned, I think for fitness, for education, it's, it's sort of low hanging fruit and, and everyone's pivoting in that direction. 
I think for home services and other industries, there's even opportunity, you know, maybe a, 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 a digital consult to evaluate. I'm looking at my backyard again. Maybe that, maybe my contractor, instead of coming out here, could have just had me hold up my phone and, and take some measurements and use some uh, digital tools or apps to, to enable that kind of the dimensions of my backyard or, you know, a plumber taking a look at a problem and determining via a virtual conference and determining whether or not it's worth his and the customer's time for them to come out, maybe even to come out for the first time to do the job physically. Um, and I think, secondly, there's so much content coming out now digitally. And I think four or five months ago, just putting digital content out there was probably good enough, at least in the short term. But now there's more content creators than ever. And if, you know, speaking back to fitness, you can go on YouTube, there's thousands and thousands of uh, pieces of great content that's free and every kind of workout you can imagine. So it's no longer enough just to put digital content out there and have a virtual experience. I think brands need to think about how does that, how does that weave into the physical experience? So if you're a, if you're a boutique fitness studio, how does, it, how does a virtual experience that only you offer to your members, how does that enhance their experience when they do come into the, to the, to the club or the location? And then how does the location experience in turn enhance the virtual or digital experience? Because capacity is shrinking, you know, especially boutique studios, they have to keep distance. So they can't have 50 people. Now it's 25 at any, any given time. So how do they keep revenue up to a sustainable level with much less volume and capacity? And that's more virtual experiences that make the time in the club or in the studio that much more valuable, that much more of a brand experience. Sure. Yeah. And um, kind of off the back of, well, everything really, brand experience and um, and bringing people back and really adapting to this um, future landscape. Um, the last kind of thing I want to talk to you about, Justin, was kind of there was a uh, Havas group survey recently um, that discussed how consumers wouldn't care if 77% of businesses just completely vanished overnight, which is obviously quite a, a scary, but unfortunately, um, tangible uh, factor that certain industries have to or certain businesses rather have to have to deal with um nowadays um are there any ways which you think businesses can ensure that they're part of that remaining 23 percent yeah it's 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 a staggering number <laughs> when you when you and if you think about your own life and all the all the different you know if you were to write a list of maybe a week or a month all the brands that you patronize I bet you if you came back, you had 177, you probably could care less. Yeah. If, do I go to this grocery store or that grocery store? Or, or whatever the case may be. Do I get my pizza here or there? So that, that goes back to, unfortunately, the heavy reliance on the functional benefits. And so to, to, to uh, refer back to that Havas study you just referenced, there's three elements of a brand. There's functional benefits. Does the product or service deliver? And unfortunately, that's where most franchises, I shouldn't say most, a lot of franchises really focus entirely their brand efforts on purely the service that's delivered or the product that's delivered. And then the other two key sort of slices of the pie or legs of the stool are personal benefit, benefits. Does the brand improve the lives of the people who patronize that brand personally? Is there value beyond just the use of the service, the service itself? How does it contribute? How does it make my life richer? And then collective benefits, which is probably the most sort of new value point and that's, or, or most important new value point, that's what's the brand's role in society at large. And you see brands like Zappos that give away a pair of shoes for every shoe bought. And, you know, or, or Warby Parker that does the same thing with glasses. There's lots of brands out there that have become, you know, their, their role in doing good for society has become 
a key part of how they differentiate the marketplace and, and message to the marketplace. And, I, and in order to be one of those 23%, hopefully more than that in the future, as more brands kind of wrap their arms around this model, you really have to have all three benefits clearly understood by the customer and by all the stakeholders, your franchisees too. Because here's the one thing we didn't we didn't talk about. If you're truly aligned with those benefits and everyone knows your vision is completely pointed in that direction, you're going to attract franchisees that are awesome. Because they're not just going to look at at coming to your brand as part of a as a financial decision. They're going to look at it as truly aligned with who they are, what they value, and how they want to live their lives. And if your your vision is aligned, you're going to have less antagonism, less of those clashes with your franchisees, less of that, you know, where the visions start to, you know, split in two different directions and then there's butting of heads. That vision will keep you aligned at all times and might make for a, 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 a peaceful and, and successful uh, network over time. Yeah. And I guess that ties back to the point you made about how, you know, now more so than ever, really, the, the pool of potential franchisees is bigger than ever where people have been made redundant or laid off. Um, they now may be looking for an opportunity. So businesses do need to nail those three points to, to really make the most of um, what is a really strange time at the moment. Um, well, thank you very much for your time today, Justin. It's been really great kind of talking with you about how the how the industry is at the moment. And, you know, as you said, it's not like we're going to wake up tomorrow and everything will be fine. But brands do need to kind of consider um, what the future looks like and start adapting to that. Yeah, I think it's a, it, it, it's a hopeful time, really. I know it's hard to, you know, see past, you know, the, the five minutes in front of you in some cases in this time. But but I think the brands that that have vision and are committed to to executing that vision and they stay focused during this time. I think that there's going to be some winners that emerge, certainly losers, but certainly winners that come out of this. And I think if I were, a, for a, uh, you know, if I was a franchisor, I would, I would be looking at this moment as one of opportunity and, and marshalling as many resources as I can to, to take advantage of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Thanks very much for your time today, Justin. Thanks so much, Kieran. Great to be on the show. Thanks again. As Justin said at the start of our conversation, we're not just going to suddenly wake up one day um, and the ongoing pandemic will have suddenly ceased. Uh, This is a gradual process which means that brands need to treat it as such and introduce a timeline of changes and adaptations rather than a simple on-off switch of how they approach both customers and current franchisees. The three aspects of brand experience that Justin mentioned will likely be more important than ever moving forward, especially as both consumers and entrepreneurs look to franchises to deliver on positive social impact. Um, It's no longer adequate to just provide a, a service. A brand needs to have the holistic experience to back it up. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Have you had a particularly positive brand experience recently? And what did the organization do to stand out from the crowd? make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn today.